Hello, hello, hello. Conversations with Alaskan Gardeners. This is Margaret Tharp and David Lendrum on the air from Landscape You're Alaska. You're coming through loud and clear, Davey. Hey, 4x4. Four four. That's what <laughs> they say, all radio talk and all. Well, I don't know anything about that. but Yeah, well, that's what they used to say anyway. I don't know what they say. You're now. really old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back, to, back in the days of 4x4s four over the air. Yeah. The only 4x4s four four I know about are the guys that use pressure-treated woods to make fence posts. Right. Okay, so it's a conversation with Alaskan Gardeners. This is a call-in show. Uh, we welcome your participation. 586-1800. We can talk about landscaping and gardening. We can talk about lawns. We can talk about how your worldview is shaped by the lens you look at it through. That's right. That's right. That's right. I was reading an article in The New Yorker this last week, and I was so irritated by the article itself that all I could think of is, you know, everybody has a lens that they look at the world through, you know, and, and not that it's necessarily this is a good lens and this is a bad lens. It's just that to understand them is to understand what their lens is. Mine is the landscape. Everything about me is all about the landscape. And oh, and, th- and there's all kinds of lenses. I mean, everybody's got one. Right. I, I, there's all kinds. You know, it's political, romantic, economic, economic you know, animal, romantic. you know, lovers, plant lovers, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, enough of that. So And and also there's the uh, the ones having to do with your own kind of personality stroke. You know, if you're going to look at the world as half empty or half full. Right. You know, all that stuff is, it's really... It not only shapes how you feel, it shapes how you respond to everybody else around you and the kind of the, the energy you give off. And, and everybody's different. And that's right. So um, we did a lot of work this week. We certainly did. Yep, we certainly did. And this is a call-in show. So if anybody wants to call and talk about all the work they did this week, it's 586-1800. That's right, 586-1800. And you can call and contribute what you're doing and it's a beautiful time for putting in lawns oh golly yes the ground is warm and the grass comes right up the air is warm and uh i put in a lawn last week i just can't wait to go down and see how it's doing it Uh had just enough water you know you can't do it when it's really hot unless you're there to water it all the time so this misty in the morning hot in the afternoon misty in the evening again it's perfect we just got a new shipment of fresh grass seed in and this grass seed is mixed in uh, the Alaska Mill and Feed Forest Special, the same mix we've used for 25 years. It has Alaskan native bluegrass and Alaskan native fescue. So they're, they're hardy northern varieties of grass. You don't think about there being different kinds of grass, do you? I do. Well, you are a landscape professional, <laughs> so you do. You're right. And well, look at the wetlands. The wetlands is in flower right now, and a lot of that is fescue, right? You see a lot of fescue you out do. there? You see those red plumes out there. Right. And what's the black plumes? Can't tell you. They're really Wetland pretty. grasses is not my stroke. You know, I, I think it's some kind of sedge. Corin, if you're listening, call us up and tell us what it is. I know you know. Today's the uh, Master Gardener Sponsored Garden Tour. and they, uh, they have a great day for it. They have a wonderful day for it. Probably it's, a little buggy. but And it's going to be a great time for everybody concerned. I hear Clay McDole's garden is going to be in it. Clay is featured, that's right. And and Clay's daughter, Annette, is going to be there also helping do that. The docent, yeah. And also they're going to be selling things in Clay's garden that are that artisans are making. Different that's kinds great. of sculptures and, and things like that. Fun. So Clay's garden is one of the most fantastic in town. That he built by himself. He's right down on the waterfront 
below the uh, pizza parlor. And Island Pub. Island Pub. It used to be Mike's place. So for those who've been here for a long time, and it's that place where he's channeled Bear Creek into that huge... Stone-walled... Oh, God. Water. It's just fantastic. You'll corridor. be thrilled when you go there. And he has the most beautiful uh, red peonies. Really, really, really beautiful. Big, deep. Uh, he said he got them from Japan. And the hostas that he brought from, from Japan. Uh-huh. He brought them here he's 30 a real, years ago. He's a real plant connoisseur. He is. We're just and a couple of hicks in comparison to... And when you see the size <laughs> of the hostas on his front yard and they are facing right on the channel, yeah. right where the taku winds beat the hardest and the, ho- the hostas are happy. They're giant. Oh, well, he also plant grows a lot of different kinds of primroses. He has all kinds of things in his yard. And mm. all the evergreens and the Japanese maples. It's beautiful. Beautiful clay. Good job, man. Thank you so much for doing all you have done all these years. For Juno. To encourage and inform and to to delight. Annette, I'm so glad you moved up and and are helping Clay take care of it all. I drove by it last week. It just looks beautiful. And so if you want to go on the garden tour, it starts on Barron's Avenue at 11 o'clock. And they have signage up there, and the first three homes are on Barron's Avenue. But you get a map, and then you get to drive around town at your own pace and go to these various gardens. And anybody that goes on this tour, we're offering a 10% discount at Landscape Alaska for the rest of this week. So if you decide you're going to go on the tour, make sure to save your program, save your map, save something you can show to our uh, nursery attendants, and then you'll get your 10% discount there. And we'll yeah, be and, it's, and it's really pretty at the nursery. Right now, it's just absolutely beautiful at the nursery. And, you know, having the the black landscape fabric as our our ground upon which everything else is seen really sets it off. The plants look very sharp against that. And the the navy blue home there with its almost non-reflective surface uh, sets off those colors just beautifully right now. Well, I'm glad you're so pleased. I am very pleased. And I never, I never spend a single day there without somebody telling me how pretty it is, how nice it is to come and visit. You know, I'm very appreciative of it. Well, Charlie at Valley Paint, he helped me make that color. He did. That was absolutely lovely. So we're planting things like mad. All those things we brought in in the springtime as four-inch pots, they're in their growth phase now, and they're going up into larger containers. That They are, and they're, they're going to all eventually this next, at the end of this week, get cut back because they'll get much bigger now. But... It just left some of the flowers up so people could see what they were going to look like. But they're going to double in size before winter. Oh, yeah. And uh, cutting them back after you replant them from a four-inch pot to a gallon can, they just explode in growth. And they're just so happy. So uh, all the perennials are getting moved up. We've had perennials on sale. And uh, if you want to buy them as a four-inch pot, they're going to be cheaper, but by the time they get put into a gallon can, they'll double in price. So well, there take is advan- always that. Take and advantage the, uh, of it now. And the perennial sale was, uh, we put it on for the 4th of July through the 10th, so it's still active today. So uh, if you want oh, to Oh, and you can always squeeze some, Dave. You can always squeeze him. Well, squeeze me a little. It's okay. Dave. I kind of like it. Yeah. Okay, so our, our nursery is on the back loop road between Goat Hill Road and Spring Way. We can't have a big sign on the highway. We've got a little tiny sign. But if you look at our website, you'll see a map. Now, personally, I'm glad we can't have a big sign. Of course, David would have a big sign, flashing lights, 
With a horn and a hook. Absolutely. That's right. Robots dancing. Robots dancing by the side of the road with their weed eaters. (laughs) That's right. Okay, so we're looking around for tasks in the garden. And all those things that (laughs) bloomed in the springtime, the primroses and the irises and the the pulmonaria and all those. Well, the irises are kind of blooming right now. But there were earlier ones. There were earlier ones. That's right. So now it's time to divide those things. Mm-hmm. Well, it really is. Uh-huh. And this is great weather for doing that. I mean, if they're big. If they're not big, don't divide them. Right. You know, let them get big. Because uh, it this growing season is going to be fabulous. You know, it kind of counterbalances all the harshness from the long winter. <sighs> Let's not even have that big W word yet. <laughs> <laughs> it was. But you're right. If you're a if you're a home gardener, you don't want to divide your things into the tiniest little pieces possible. No, you really don't. That's if you're a, a nurseryman and you want to make a hundred out of one. Even but a nurseryman you, is in this climate, it, unless you have heat, it's it's dicey. Right. What you really want is you want things that are still going to be big enough to have landscape impact. So, say you've got a cluster of iris that's two feet across, you might divide it into six pieces. Yeah. But you wouldn't divide it into 20 pieces. Exactly. Even though it's it's possible to do so, and they'd all grow, then they'd just all be whippy and be little tiny things again for another five and years. And harder, have harder time getting through the winter, too. When there they're really little, uh-huh. you know, they have a hard time. And speaking of things that, that uh, are looking good in the perennial world, the daylilies are coming on like gangbusters. Yeah, you know, the daylilies, and we have some real beauties that are just starting to open some dark red ones. Right, with the uh-huh. yellow stripe right. in the veining of him. I know I've said this on the air before, and forgive me for repeating myself, but I poo-pooed daylilies for a long time until I had this job at the hotel where I had to renovate the beds, and I always have been a let's-use-it-another-way kind of person. And I divided the daylilies and separated them out, and they are huge now. I mean, they're a dwarf daylily, so they only get about a foot tall, and the flower is probably 15 or 16 inches tall, but they're just starting to bloom. They're dense. Grass doesn't even grow through them, you know, so in terms of weed control and having, you know, repress the perennials, I mean, the weeds around you, buttercup and all that stuff, they go right to town, and they just cover the ground and, you know, instead of having one, you know, have five. And mm-hmm. they're and big. Them closely enough together. So they so become they, a, a, they, a sweep, that's right. you know. And they're really great. And they're, these daylilies are living out in harsh, abusive, litter-filled places. And they just keep on ticking. So daylilies were originally a culinary plant. Really? Yeah, from Korea. They eat the roots of it. And all daylilies or certain all, varieties? All daylilies all came from that. Well, I know, but you can't, just because somebody ate something at one time doesn't mean you want to keep eating them, right? Well, I would rather look at them in the garden than eat them, but I'm sure they're still quite palatable. <laughs> but that's where they came They came from, just they're, like... Uh, they're like know, potatoes. Yes, right, like ornamental potatoes, except they're more like uh, uh, asparagus roots. They look like, you know, oh, yeah? big, stringy, no, like I know. dense handfuls. Fools, of, of right. Roots. And, and roots like mad, you're right. So you can look at them and you can say, oh... I can see why somebody might think that looks good to eat. And they makes me think they're hungry. I mean, of course. <laughs> the people in Korea Every, everybody's <laughs> hungry. <laughs> you know, it was like the Dutch ate tulips. I don't think it was because they wanted to, but that was all there was to eat. Right. 
And uh, we have some lilies, some dwarf Asiatic lilies that are starting to flower right now. That are just the most stunning things. They're red and white. They look like harlequin costumes. They do. They you know, really you know, do. All you can think about is is how in the world does something ever develop like that? So geometric looking. So uh, it's all about science, Dave. Everything is about science. Yep. It's That's all right. about science. Uh-huh. And I love that part of the world. So we we rented some really nice tools from Tyler Rental this week. Boy, when we did the Housing First project. We had an excavator. We had a, what were the other two things you got? You got a, a front end loader, loaders. a great big front end loader. Right. Uh, and uh, you got a little bobcat. And a bobcat. And I also got uh, extended reach forklifts. Yes. Which were great tools. We moved the, the plants that David salvaged from McDonald's, which were easily 40 years old. They were big and planted them at the Housing First Project in Lemon Creek, and uh, it just turned out to be beautiful. And they just look so happy. I mean, they are. And when you take take something, you know, people look at landscapes like screwing in light bulbs. You know, I'll have one of these and I'll have one of those, and, you know. But the real challenge, especially when you're reclaiming a landscape, is to set it up so there's some type of pattern. I don't mean it a regular pattern, but something that anchors at the beginning, anchors in the middle, and anchors at the end. So in between those anchors, you can have variety and change and different effects, but that there's a feeling of cohesiveness to the pattern that makes it aesthetically comfortable. When it's too random, you feel uncomfortable and you don't hang out there. You know, we are people of, of pattern recognition of pattern recognition and we like to feel like we can look at something and feel like we belong there uh-huh. phone call okay we have a call coming good morning conversations hey david i want to thank you for your show but i, I have a question there um for you about day lilies great what is it so, well actually it is i have some day lilies with skinny leaves skinnier than my normal um, yellow daylilies that I have never had a bloom and I want to know how to how to get it to bloom. And are they kind of dwarf, meaning they're not as big as your other daylilies? Yes, they're smaller, yes. Right. Okay. So there, there is a particular one called Stella de Oro that is like that, has uh, shorter and skinnier branches, skinnier leaves, and blades. And is it in a full sun situation? I have it in three different spots. One's in full sun, um, one uh, and two others are crowded. I mean, are under under like a one's under a roadie and the other is sort of in a crowded bed that kind of gets evening sun. Uh huh. And and, if it, and you've had them all for a while. Oh yeah, for multiple years. In fact, I know that they have their different colors, but I forgot what color they are because I've never seen them. Right. And do you feed them on a regular basis? Um, fairly often, you know, like at least at least once a year, as far as uh, in the spring. And what do you feed them? Um, like Miracle Grow. Uh huh. Well, I think that my experience with daylilies is twofold. Some don't bloom here. Okay. S- some need a different light quality than what we have. The ones that do bloom are profuse and really do really well and that's the ones I was talking about at the hotel 
And those mm-hmm. are the Stella d'Oro dwarf orangish yellow ones that bloom and bloom and bloom. But mm-hmm. also giving your plants only miracle grow once a year in the springtime, miracle grow is a short term fertilizer. You might want to try mm-hmm. something that hangs out in the soil longer. Okay, so a so granular. A granular you know, if you feed your rhododendrons, that would you you could use that. You know, it doesn't have to be anything exotic. Just something mm-hmm. that's more. Our soils are so sterile that it's mm-hmm. it's nice to uh, give them a little boost, and then maybe they'll perform for you. We okay. use a time-release fertilizer that lasts for a year, and it's specially okay. designed for low-temperature places. So, okay, uh, come up and see me. I'll show you what it is. Okay. Well, I have read, too, that that possibly you should dig it up, and maybe it might be too deep. Could that be something? Have you ever heard of that's, that? That's peonies more than daylilies. But, but okay. what you do have to say is that uh, after a while, they need to be divided, or they do stop blooming. And the same thing is okay. true with irises and other kinds of perennials like that, too. But, the you know, like the daylilies that I'm, I'm talking about are, I bet you they're... 16 inches across and mm-hmm. and nice and big you but know but you divided mm-hmm. them just a couple of years ago five yes, they've okay. fi- five years ago mm-hmm. so they've gotten big since then but they had not been divided for many years before that i'm sure right okay okay yeah i think mine are about 12 inches uh-huh. wide so. so i think really dividing things is always kind of a pain you know to tell you the truth <laughs> but mm-hmm. that's all you do get the reward for them but uh i would try feeding them okay and okay. then yeah. if you, they don't come up more vigorously in the springtime divide mm-hmm. them then okay so they have so the whole you, season to i mean establish. nothing's going on right now i think i might just experiment with one of them and sure pull it up divide it and see what happens right and it's probably too late to get anything to grow um but at least i will I'll know it, next year. It'll grow, but it probably won't flower. Okay. Okay, okay. but still fertilize them all. Okay. 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 Well, all right. Appreciate it. I call. appreciate you calling. Yeah, thank yeah. you. All right. You guys take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. And let's talk for a couple of minutes about how you do that. How do you divide things? Well, first, you cut their tops off so that you just have the roots and just a little bit of the green on the top of the plant exists. Then you dig the whole thing up out of the ground. Right. And you turn it over and take your hose and wash the dirt off the roots as much as you can so you can see where to divide it. And if you don't have the time for that, you can put it in a bucket of water or in a wheelbarrow with water and let the mud around the roots kind of dissolve on its own, but don't leave it there for days and days. Leave it there for, you know, 48 hours or something like that. And then it washes away a little easier. Yeah, much easier. Depending on your locale and what your garden's like and all that jazz. Then you turn them upside down so the roots are in the air and you use uh, two spading forks and you stick them into it. You should go online and look at how you divide things. They'll have some kind of great (coughs) demonstration for you. And uh, It's different for lots of things. Yeah. Some things it's really, really obvious, and they're going to tear apart easily. Well, daylilies is pretty easy. Some things you're going to have to use a saw or an axe. Well, most of us aren't going to do that, Dave. One of my very first jobs, <laughs> I had to dig up a peony in a stable yard. B- belonged to the guy I was working for, and it was such a huge peony that we had to use a log splitter in order to divide it. 
I believe that. Remember my gra- great grandfather's peony. Uh huh. That Huge. took a lot. It did, but you've still got it. Yeah. Okay, and uh, it's it's uh, nematode time. Nematode time for the rhododendrons. If you have the vine weevil eating your rhododendron leaves, and the way to tell is to look at the edge of the leaves, and if they have notches eaten in them, that's the adult form. Very regular notches. Uh They look like half moons. And some of them look like the ends of fingernails, like uh, a kind of pointy. But they're right. They're on the outside edge of the leaf. Right. And then uh, if that's happening, that means that the the juvenile form are underground eating the rhododendron roots, and that's the danger point. So we put a naturally occurring nematode down there to go hunt those larvae and eat them. And this is the time of year for doing that. And if you're interested in that, come and see me. I have it dosed out. It's a uh, it's a non chemical form of control. And they're a naturally occurring kind of animal. So we don't have to worry about setting anything loose in the environment. And also, there's a new shipment of material coming. We have a coming at, it's at sea now. When are the dwarf monardas coming? They're going to ship next Wednesday. All right. And that's... Oh, no, the dwarf monardas are the ones that are at sea now. Great, so they'll be here next Wednesday. They left yesterday. Great. Uh-huh. So they'll be here next week. And those are the bee mine yes. kind, right? Right. And okay. we have we have two sizes of monardas. We have the tall ones and the dwarf ones. Uh-huh. 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 I want the dwarf ones. You got the dwarf ones, okay. <laughs> and somebody else will have to have the tall ones. And they are pink and lavender and hot pink and red. They're and, very pretty. And they attract every kind of insect. They attract bees and they take and the rain. The, the thing about the dwarf ones, especially, is they don't fall over, and they're still substantial, but they're not, you know, a foot tall. They're not eighteen inches tall. And they're so aromatic. Oh, good morning, conversations. Yes, uh, I have a question regarding um, what? Oh, Miss Kim Lilacs. Yep. And I, they're old. They're about. Well, I think we got them from you folks about 40 years ago. <laughs> Excuse so, me? I'm well, only 20 years old. <laughs> no, I, 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 I trust you, but I know him. <laughs> um, my, my question is, is they've gotten huge. They're about yeah. 15 feet across and probably 12 feet tall. Wow, wow. That's, that's really big. And I'm wondering, how do I go about cutting them back? Well, now's the right time. You cut them when they're in bloom, and that way they'll make their new growth and uh, set flowers for next year. If you can, you should come to the nursery so David can show you on some of the lilacs we have the idea of how you want to cut them, because you're not going to cut them just from the top. You're going to go in and take out branches, lowering them that way. Mm -hmm. So, So the form stays similar well, if this is how you want it, it's going to stay similar to how it is. It's just going to be reduced. Because if you just cut the ends of branches off, it makes them sprout so much thicker, and they get even even more vigorous. But, uh, you, yeah, I'll be glad to show you. Take br- whole branches off at a time, and you take them off at a intersection where a branch comes together with a, with a larger branch. Mm-hmm. And you'll do it in two steps. You cut once further out from the crotch, to take the weight off it and then the second cut back at the crotch. 
And when you do pruning, uh, the saying is you never leave a stub you can hang your hat on. So you want to cut it as flush to the main trunk as you can uh, so it doesn't rot later. Okay. Okay. So, so one, one of them is just, one of them is just covered. One of them this year was just covered with flowers, and the other one had very few flowers on it. Is that a sign that the one that has very few blossoms is just getting old age? Can't tell you. It, it, there are so many different variables on it. And did you prune them last year? Um, not last year, but I did the years before. Last year I had COVID all summer long. So summer. I, wasn't, I wasn't even in town last summer. So uh -huh. they didn't any any help at all last summer. But they are just totally thick. Well, cool. I would... Take I, some pictures of them, too. I, I'd like to see them. I would fertilize the... I would fertilize them and lime them, mm -hmm. and uh, be sure to water them when you do that. I know that sounds silly in, in our rainforest, but sometimes the shrubs are so big, the actual rain doesn't get down to where you're putting your fertilizer. So, uh, and prune them and see how they respond next year. Okay. Just because the one, it was a hard winter, and different plants respond bond differently even though they're there together as a partners or whatever not all locations are exactly the same mm -hmm. and uh it could just be a response to the extra month of winter time that has depleted its energies so feeding it is a really good outcome try it okay. nothing okay. to lose cool right. thanks for the call and come okay. see dave if you if you uh feel at all like you're on the back loop and you want to drop in he'll be there okay. all weekend okay I got one more quick question. Great. We have some irises that have been here since Mary Jo Hobbs. We're in the old Hobbs house. Uh-huh. And she must have planted these years and years and years ago. Right. It's about eight feet in diameter, but the whole <laughs> center part is dead. Doesn't grow anything. Yeah. Mm. That means it's indication it needs to be divided. Divided, or at least that part can get cut out. So really what happens here is that the young growth is on the perimeter of the clump. keeps growing out and out and out and out. And if you fly over uh, parts of the, of the world, you can see gigantic circles in the ground that are vegetation, that are just exactly that, that were originally one plant in the center of whatever that circumference is. And the center has died out and the, the active growing part are on the perimeter. But if you dig that iris up, you'll see that all that center part is kind of degraded, and you're going to just dispose of that. And you can uh, cut the outside perimeter up. If it's a bearded iris, you're going to have to cut cut the uh, the rhizomes off. If it's uh, an iris like a native iris or a Siberian iris, you're going to just kind of tear them apart. But all that center part gets discarded, and you only keep the vigorous stuff on the outside. If it's a bearded iris, it looks like a tuber sitting on the surface of the ground. No, we got those out on the south side of the house. Well, you're, it sounds wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It sounds great. All yeah. Right. Okay. Thank you. You I bet. See you later. So glad you got better. Uh-huh. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Okay, we got a minute left. 
Come and see us, Landscape Alaska. We're looking forward to it. Contact us through the web. And we can just blah, blah, blah your ears off. That's right. Remember, if you go in the garden tour, you get 10% off. And all the perennials are 10% off for this week. And we'll... Hello, Landscape Alaska. I mean, yes. conversation. You know why the wild strawberries around here don't set fruit? I think last year it rained so much that their fruiting got interrupted. Normally, we have really good strawberries. And remember, strawberries set their fruit in August for the next year. So you look at what the weather conditions were like in the August last year, and it was torrential. Yeah. All right, thanks. You, you bet. bet. Bye. Okay, we have one more minute. We have some beautiful kinds of raspberries, new introduction <coughs> raspberries from Nova Scotia and New Zealand that are not bred for transport. They're bred for home garden use. And the fruit on them is going to be big and beautiful. And we got them from these uh, kind of exotic Canadian plant propagators. And they're looking just lovely right now. So if you come and see me, I'll show you what I mean. And I'm into them. Okay. You're into everything. Tell the truth. I know. All right. I had a Don Redwood tree here for 10 years, too. Exactly. I lost it. All right. Okay. Conversation with Alaskan Gardeners. We'll see you next week. And remember, happy gardening.